coming king. He is our rest. He is our truth. He is our righteousness. He is pure. He is holy. He is good. He is great. He is mighty. He is strong. He is victorious. He is our courage. He is our strength. He is our way maker. He is God Almighty. And Father, yes, that's who you are, my God. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, just make it personal for a moment yes. right now. Come on, make it personal. Just you and God right now. Worship him for who he is Hallelujah. in your life. Just take a moment to do that. Father, yes, Father you have always been a way up, maker, right? Father. You've always yes. made a way where there is no way. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, and when we needed miracles, you showed up time and time again, yes, Father. Father. You did for us what we could not do for ourselves, Father. Oh, and every promise, Father, has been yes, yes. and amen, and it yes. has come to pass in our lives. And Father, we've certainly been in some dark places, Father. But the revelation light of your word has always shined into those dark places, provided answers when we needed them, Father. Led us on into victory. So we worship you today just for who you are. And now, Father, as we come together today in this place to share your holy word and to honor you and worship you just for who you are, we thank you for being that way maker in each and every one of our lives, Father. You've always made ways where there were no ways, Father. God, you've certainly performed miracle after miracle after miracle and after miracle in each and every one of our lives. Everyone in here can testify of a miracle that you've done in their lives. Father, we've gone to your word and we found promises in your word and stood on those. You've brought them to pass in our lives every single time. And certainly we've been in dark places, Father, where we needed the revelation light of your word. Father, you shine that light right to us, Father. You illuminated it in our spirits and brought revelation to our minds. And we just knew what to do, Father. And you helped us navigate out of those dark places right into your marvelous light. And so, Father, as we go forth in your word today, today will be no different, Father. The light of your word, the entrance of your word will produce light into the hearts of everyone that will hear it, Father. The good seed of that word will fall on good ground today and it will produce some 30, some 60, but some will manifest 100-fold production because of the condition of their hearts as they hear. And so, ministering angels, use my wife and I today, although we stand here as two, Use us as one vessel to minister to the hearts and lives of your people. Let it be less of us and more of you, Father. We don't want the people to stand in our wisdom. We want them to stand in your power. And may we all give you the glory for all the good that will come out of this service today. In Jesus' name. And everyone that agrees with that prayer, shout it. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and love on two or three people today. Uh, speak well of them. Speak life into them. And then you can be seated. Great job today, music department and band. Great job. Great job. Certainly want to thank you all. It's raining outside. Uh, thank you for pressing your way out this morning. If you're watching us today online, if you're streaming 
Uh, best way to follow along is the YouVersion Bible app. The notes are right there. Go to the events section. Just pull up Linked Up Church, and then all of the notes or outline is there. Of course, we're giving additional information with the outline, and so there's space provided uh, where you can take some additional notes uh, right there. If you're here today and you're a member of Linked Up Church, uh, we're offering step four today where you can get connected to either our dream team or our small groups. And, and just in case you didn't know, I want to make sure I let you know, there's no greater volunteer dream team ministry in the entire United yes, States of America yes. than right here at Linked Up Church. Small groups, you know, this is something we're getting ready to really get into. My wife and I, we're going to be moving to this side of town this summer. And it's just something we know that it goes as the leaders go. And so you're going to see us heavily involved in that because, I mean, you know, getting together is important to God. Fellowshipping, family, community, all of that's important to God. And so when it's important to the leaders, I mean, it becomes important to the community that the leaders serve in. And so you'll see a lot more of that. How many of y'all came ready to hear from God this morning? How many of y'all love God this morning? Has, has God been good to anyone in this building? Did anyone have a great week on last week? Well, I've got good news for you. This week is getting ready to be even better. Glory to God. And it's certainly already off to a straight uh, good start. And so we started off last week in the month of February. Of course, we've been loving on married couples all month long. We just ministered three times in Mississippi at an NSYNC marriage conference, and we had a blast. It went extremely well. And it just kind of was placed on our heart just through the different emails and inboxes that we want to make sure we take care of the unmarried or the singles or the widows as well. And so married people, you'll get a lot out of this today because this entire seventh chapter of 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 7, Paul is really dealing with four classes of people. He's dealing with the unmarried. He's dealing with the virgin. He's dealing with the widow. And he's dealing with the married the married folks. Okay. And so it's all in here. And so everyone will get something good out of this today. And so just in quick review, we know the title is called The Gift. And one of the things we said in our introduction, being single, letter A, being single and being married are both gifts from God. And one is not better than the other. That's right. Sometimes we can be insensitive as married people when we get around unmarried people or single people and we ask questions and we do things and we don't know how they're hearing that. And the reality is they're not second-class citizens. That's right. That's right. How I many know married and unmarried are both first-class citizens in the kingdom of God? And God didn't make one better than the other. And actually, they're both gifts from God. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7, as we used as an opening text, foundation text, I'm reading out of the Living Bible. Uh, Paul here, I just love the way the Living Bible worded this. Paul here in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7 said, I wish everyone could get along without marrying. That's a strong statement right there. He said, I wish everyone could get along without marrying, just as I do. But we are not all the same. God gives some the gift of a husband or wife, and others, and this is what I love, he gives the gift of being able to stay happily unmarried. I mean, there's some happily unmarried people in the world today. And they're okay with that. And really, believe it or not, that is the goal while you're unmarried is to first be happy with yourself. 
Right? And then determine from there who you want to bring into that uh, scenario so that the two of you all can be happy together. Uh, in fact, I mean, in fact, if I could interject, being married, you need, the goal is to be happily single in your marriage. Now, don't get it twisted. I'm not saying, you know, but you want to be happy and satisfied with who you are and not transfer all of what God's supposed to supply in your life onto your spouse. So good. And so we're going to skip everything else that we said. That's why we have SoundCloud. You all can go back to SoundCloud and listen and get caught up. So today we're going to talk about really five truths about being single. And my wife will start off with number one. Well, you know, five truths about being single. Being single is a good thing. So if you are single, say this with me. Being single is a good thing. So number one of the five truths, this is why some of the truths about why being single is a good thing. The difficulty and pressures of life. The difficulties and pressures of life. If you would turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verses 25 through 26. It says, now concerning virgins or singles, I have no commandment from the Lord, yet I give judgment as one from the Lord in his mercy has made trustworthy. Paul saying, I suppose, therefore, that it is good because of the present day stress that it is good for a man to remain as he is, that is, being single. Now, understand, during that time, Paul spoke of present day stress and the present day stress referred to the persecution of the Christians. During that time, it was believed that King Nero was in charge and he mastered the persecution of the, of the, of the Christians. If you were known to be perse- uh, a, a Christian, then he, he did horrendous, treacherous things uh, to the believer. And so as to avoid the heartache that came with the possibility of being tortured, of being burned, of being nailed to the cross, of being eaten alive, to avoid that he was saying that it's good to remain single... Because the heartache that came with and the poverty that came with the loss of that spouse would greatly impact more than just that individual if they were to get married. Now, let's update that to present day Christianity. How many people, let me gauge my audience, how many of you are saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit, that with a mighty burning fire, eternity for you is heaven. The whole building. You are consecrated, set apart, sacred unto the Lord. You are a peculiar priesthood, a royal generation. You are His and only His. He is not only Savior, He is also Lord. Now, listen to what Timothy is saying. Paul is saying to Timothy as we update this because he was talking about present-day stresses, but because it's been reserved for the Bible, the book of instructions before leaving earth, how many of you know that God is eternal? He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that present day might have been that condition with Nero back then, but there's a present-day stress today. And instead of it being so broad politically, the enemy has managed to narrow it down individually. And God warned us about this. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 
verses 1 through 9. And I, I looked up the message version of this, and I was like, whoa, this is in your face for real good, good. So he says here, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 9 in the message, don't be naive. We're going to take our time this morning. There are difficult times ahead. As the end approaches, we are at the end of days. People are going to be self-absorbed, money-hungry, self-promoting, stuck up, profane, contemptuous of parents, crude, coarse, rough around the edges. You know, that keeping it real 100 all the time. Dog eat dog, unbending, slanderers, impulsively wild, savage, cynical, treacherous, ruthless, bloated windbags. Always got something to say, but ain't saying nothing. Addicted to lust, and check this, allergic to God. They'll make a show of religion, but behind the scenes, they're animals. Stay clear of these people. These are the kind of people who smooth talk themselves into the homes of unstable and needy women and take advantage of them. Women who, depressed by their own sinfulness, their past, take up with every new religious fad that calls itself truth. They get exploited every time and never really learn. These men are like those old Egyptian frauds named Janus and Jambres who challenged Moses. They were rejects from the faith, twisted in their thinking, defying the truth itself. But nothing will come of these latest imposters. Everyone will see through them, just as people saw through the Egyptian hoax. He said that these days was, would come but these days have been evolving all the way up until today. Now, never in time has meeting other people been more convenient. There has never been a time in history where it's been more convenient to meet people. Social media has made it global. Dating sites has made it mentally and psychologically matchmaking science. Places of gathering are all over the place. But yet and still, divorce rates are still very high, 50%. That's down from 52%, but it's still very high. And there's no differentiation between the church and the world. And mind you, Tim, Paul is talking to Timothy not about what's going on in the world. He's talking to the church. And he's specifically talking about the behavior in relationships. Specifically. He's not talking about folks just out there will-nilly and doing them. He's talking about how people will act and behave themselves in relationships. We're talking about present-day stresses. And why it's good to be single if you can maintain yourself in a state of holiness. Because when you are satisfied with who you are as a single woman or a man... You can take your time and engage the status and, the, and, and the, the issues that surround you. 
Nothing's wrong with being single and desiring to be married. But in your single state, it is a good thing because in being satisfied and confident in who you are, you're not caught up in being one of those silly, needy, unstable women. They were churchgoers. He says, who take advantage of them because these women who are depressed by their own sinfulness take up with every new religious fad that calls itself truth. That's so good. So, so if I'm hearing you correctly, this is why it is an advantage to become happily unmarried, single, because you get to learn you, but you also get to know what you're looking for. So if you listen to something I heard in that text, he said these men would have a form of godliness. Yes, that's what the King James said. But they would de deny, deny the, power the power of it. Thereof it. Right? And so when you give yourself enough time, that's why you don't want to rush into stuff. See, it's, it's, it's really, you can't meet them this week. Because, see, it always comes out like you're picking on people. And we're not trying to pick on people. We're trying to love on people. But you've got to understand that once your bodies get involved, so the, you're not thinking correctly at that point. So the present day stress is not coming from the White House. The system. The system. The man. The present day stress comes from individuals who've gotten away from their trust in God. So, the good thing about being single, happily unmarried, yeah. means that I love myself enough, I value myself enough, not to get caught up in the present day stresses and pressures about being married for the status of being married, only to be miserable thereafter. Or, or just saying I'm in a relationship because... I don't want to look like I can't be in a relationship and we end up settling for the wrong situation. I know. In fact, just encountered a lady yesterday while we were in Columbus, Mississippi. Population right about 450 people. <laughs> precious, but precious group of people. Awesome church. Yeah. Pastor Timothy Bourne, shout out to you. But she told me, she says, I'm a PhD. And this guy I'm dating, he's a PhD. But I'm not sure if I want to relinquish all this. I'm not sure if I'm ready to set aside parts of who I am to mesh with somebody else right now. It's hard. Because I'm good by myself. She sure did. Didn't she say that? She sure did. She said, you know, so I'm, I, you know, I really like them and everything else, but I, 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 I'm not sure how far I want to go with this. I really have to assess myself to make sure that I'm ready to share. And you know what? I was like, good for you. Good for you. Being happy and in love with who you are so that you can take your time to assess what's going on round about you and determine whether you really want to be married because there are stresses that come with marriage. And again, not to say one is better than the other because I am blissfully, wonderfully, awesomely, and lovingly married. And I enjoy it. But listen, before I could be this way, I had to be so good with who I was. That's right. And it wasn't until I said, God, it's me and you till the rainbow 
goes over to the other side. And then, you know, I told you already, then I meet him. <laughs> but understand that there are present-day stresses that surround us that, that, that can rob us of the goodness of life. And when you realize that, then now vesting in yourself and saying, okay, you know what? Let me love me becomes all the more important. So good. Now watch this. This is going to sound, I don't know how it will sound to you, but when I first read it, I was like, wow. So in verse 27 and 28, point number two, he warned them that if they got married, they would have trouble in the flesh. That's an interesting warning, right? And so point number two is trouble in the flesh. These are five truths about being single. Let's see if we can kind of dissect what Paul was referring to here. Let's read verse 27 and 28. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. He said, are you bound to a wife? That sounds like shackles right there. That sounds like ball and chain. But it isn't, though. It says, are you bound to a wife? Then do not seek to be loosed. Are you loosed from a wife? Do not seek a wife. Wow, still because of the present distress that they were under. But we also see that there's distress in this current time that we live in, which is really continuing that thought, as you'll see here in a moment. Then he says in verse 28, but even if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh, but I would spare you. Now, if you look this word trouble up in the Greek, it's thalipsis, spelled T-H-I-L-I-P-S-I-S. And it literally means pressure. It means to squeeze. It means to press tightly. And it means to be burdened. So how many married people are in here today? I like Woo! that. Come on, I like that right there. Make it look good because yeah. it is good. Now watch this. After we were married, I mean, you know, pressure came with this marriage. Okay, see, now you all don't want to see. Well, now they got something to say. It has not been a cakewalk. Marriage is work. It is work. How, how many of y'all know... We've been pressed tightly in this marriage. Come on, married people. Let's come on. Come on. We got to give this. We got to give them reality. How many know we've both been squeezed in this marriage? Right? She wants her way. I want my way. Right? We, right? we got to work together and figure out how to get each other's way so that we can still get to where we need to go. So he's saying here, you're going to have pressure. You're going to be squeezed. You're going to press tightly, watch this, and you're going to be burdened. But it's a good burden. How many know a husband carries the burden daily of taking care of his family? He carries the burden daily of providing for his family. He carries the burden daily of thinking about the future for his family. He carries the burden daily of getting up and doing what's necessary so that his family can be cared for, provided for, roof over their head. That never changes. When you're unmarried, you have one burden. 
to take care of yourself glory to God and the woman the wife has the burden uh -oh. daily Balance of taking that. care uh -oh. of that man uh -oh. she has the burden daily of bearing his children she has the burden daily of making sure his household is kept she wears the burden daily of making sure his heart is protected she wears the burden daily of making sure that he is guarded on every way and oftentimes the woman wears the burden daily of praying for him and making sure that he's spiritually covered as he goes out and takes care of his family. I'm just saying. And he has the burden of cutting the grass. <laughs> and he has... <laughs> I love you, girl. <laughs> she had to feel that in right there, didn't she? And so if you understand what he, she had to feel that in. You didn't want to let me have my moment right there. Right? But even but, with that burden. There you go. There you go. Come on. Bring it home, girl. We are married forever. <laughs> if you haven't seen Black Panther, you did not get what I just did. <laughs> So let's talk about this a little bit, okay? Because unmarried people, single people think they can't wait to get married. But they don't understand on the other side of that is some pressure. So can we just talk about this for a moment? It's some pressure, man. There's nothing easy about this. Especially if you're talking about it being forever. Yes. So let's shine some insight into what Paul was talking about here. What kind of trouble is Paul talking about? I'm going to bring this up to date. So we, she already talked about the current distress that they were under. But, but listen to this. When you consider the frightening prevalence of domestic violence today, mm. it's very rare to turn on your television or the news and not see some form of domestic violence today. I mean, I'm, that's a sad state that our, our world is in today where we've got to take the lives and try to destroy other people because we're so miserable. Right? And I've always said, she'll tell you, every time I watch it, I'm like, why didn't he just take his own life? If it was that bad, why, didn't, why did he have to do that to his wife and his kids? If it was that bad, why didn't he just take his own life? And of course, we're not condoning. We're not doing any of that. I, I think you all understand. It's just I'm a husband and a father. And every time I see it, it just, man, to put your That's hands on a woman or a woman to put her hands on a man is unnecessary. But when you think about the prevalence of domestic violence, the heartbreak of being cheated on, of course, we don't need to go into statistics on that. And of course, living in Atlanta today, you know, it's all kind of alternative lifestyles. And I just go right by that. But, but imagine one spouse finding out that the other spouse is having extracurricular activity. And God forbid it's with the same sex, which goes on a lot in the city of Atlanta. Well, throughout. Or throughout the world. And so the heartbreak of being cheated on, as my wife alluded to, depending on which culture you're talking about, one out of every two marriages end in divorce. 
anywhere from 50 to 60 percent, depending on the culture. Of course, African-Americans and Hispanics being the highest. So you understand what he's saying here, folks. Trouble in the flesh is real if you don't understand and know who you are and are happy with yourself in God. You don't want to go into this blindly. This was also very interesting. The divorce will ultimately put a strain on you emotionally, financially. Of course, we can all agree that the potential of misery. Tell me if you agree with this statement. The potential of misery in marriage is greater than the potential of being miserable while single. That's true. How many would agree with that statement? And I think if you've been both, you understand that. See, today... If I make mistakes, it affects more than just me. It affects my wife and my two children. When I'm by myself and I make a mistake, I'm the only one affected by that mistake. Right? It's just like a pastor. If I make a mistake, that mistake affects thousands of people. Right? Think so I think you all understand what I'm saying. And so this statement was so profound. I don't know if you want to write it down, if you want to capture it, but... But, but really, it was a profound statement that I wrote down. I, I read it, and I, I wrote it down. And the statement was, the only thing worse than wishing you were married is wishing you weren't. And see, that's, that's, that's the deep. emphasis here is five truths of why being single is a good thing. Because in that singleness, you are evolving and learning to love yourself, but also evolving and learning yourself, being honest with who you are. Mm -hmm. If you're the person that your house has to be a certain way, and it just makes you cringe and go into convulsions <laughs> when stuff is not where it's supposed to be. <laughs> Somebody can relate back there. That's the, that's the Holy Ghost. She is back there. Then you have to be honest with yourself because, you know, I remember my daughter when she was about 14 years old. I don't know if you remember this conversation. And so, you know, we were just talking, just trying to figure her out. She says, well, babe, why don't you have a boyfriend? And she says, you know what, Mommy? If I meet somebody right now, it's only going to end one of two ways. We're going to stay together long enough to get married or we're going to break up. And she says, and the chances at, at my age is going to be way higher that we break up. So I don't even know why I would put myself through that drama. <laughs> my point is, is that if you aren't so in love with yourself and know who you are and being willing to be honest with who you are, and you marry someone that's also the same way, and the divorce rate being 50% right now, and that's, like I said, that's for believers and non-believers. You know, this was mentioned at the EXO conference that we just had, and I went home and I had to assess, you know, go back in my mind because it was a, at the EXO conference, you know, the, there was a divorce attorney and there was a marriage counselor there. And the divorce attorney charges $500 an hour. The marriage counselor charges right around $150 an hour. $100 an hour. It was, it was $500 and $100. Okay, around $100 an hour. And he made a statement. He says, you know who profits the most in, real in divorce? He said, divorce attorneys, the courts, and real estate. And I went back and I, because, you know, a real estate broker, former real estate broker in Michigan. 
And I had to go and just take a loose inventory. And it was true. Over 28% of my income, and I did very well. Believe me, I'm here because I am called. Because if it was about money, I sure ain't here. That's right. <laughs> Neither one of us. That's true. That's true. Because we was getting it done in Detroit. Yeah. Anyway, over 28% of my income was because of divorce. And I, and I thought of five people, five couples. They go through the divorce. They call me. I sell their house. They're split now, so guess what I'm doing? Finding them I'm a house. I'm finding them a house. And then, one of them, in a couple of cases, they turn around and get married again, and she don't want to live in that house, so then they go going and buying another house. I'm just, can I be transparent? It's a horrible way to make money. Because at the end of the day, and I saw it with my own eyes, the victims of those divorces were always the children. Always. And it just didn't have to happen through what I saw. Look at the stats. The number one population of impoverished and homeless people are children. So if you are happily single, happily unmarried, and you attach yourself to someone else's, someone else that's not happily unmarried, you're a bomb ticking to explode. It can work, but you're going to experience trouble in the flesh. Mm -hmm. Even believers, saved, sanctified, praying 12 hours a day, got trouble in the flesh. Yeah, because we didn't even add this piece. And of course, we're talking about marriage, and then she alluded to the children. But think about now, you know, we talked about the burden of the husband. She talked about the burden of the wife. I mean, there's a burden of raising children. Come on, any parents in here know what I'm talking about? And I've learned as a husband and a father, that burden is actually even greater than this burden. Because they didn't ask to be here. And so when you take that same Greek word, you know, Philopolis there, and talking about trouble in the fresh squeeze, you can also apply it that when you add kids under the same roof and we all press tightly together, guess what can squeeze out? More trouble. Now, again, I wish there was a blueprint. I wish we could perfectly raise our kids. I wish everything went according to plan, but here's the reality. It doesn't. And it requires prayer, fasting. Come on, somebody getting on your knees. Come on, somebody. And sometimes you just got to leave them alone and let them learn for themselves. Right? You already know where this is going, but you've got to let them go, right? And just pray in the Spirit and just trust God. And then you have to remind yourself, you figured it out, they'll figure it out too. Just right? think about it. God is a perfect father. He said he'll be a father to the fatherless. He is a perfect parent in every way. But because he's given us the freedom of choice. choice, he allows us to make our mistakes. And, the, and guess what? <laughs> the chances of us learning from the consequences of our own mistakes and recovering from it has more permanent stay than somebody enabling, curtailing, covering up the mistake. Mm -hmm. So I secretly... Uh, for my kids, anyway, I'm like, 
Father, let them make the mistake, make it big and make it fast. <laughs> Pray that prayer, Job, over just not unto death, Father. Just keep them. But a lot of times, even with, you know, when you have children in the household, you know, I'm talking about coming together married, and then, you know, and then especially if there's, you're already bringing children into the household, to, to, to a relationship, and you, you're coming from a single parenthood, that trouble in the flesh is it's real. It's real, yeah. So number three, the world is passing away. The world is passing away. Now, I'm going to read from you in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 29 through 31. But this I say, brethren, the time is short, so that from now on, even those who have wives should be as though they had none. Those who weep as though they did not weep. Those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. Those who buy as though they did not possess. And those who use this world is, as not misusing it. For the form of this world is passing away. Basically, he's saying marriage, weeping, earthly rejoicing, buying, worldly pleasure are all part of a passing scene. None of it is permanent. In other words, that's just a very practical way of saying God has to come first for he is eternity because everything that's here on earth will not last. That's right. It won't last. Paul is teaching the spouses to not, not to ignore each other or pretend that they're not married, but there, there should always be an affection, and a, but there should always be an affection and a kindness in their marriage. But he's saying that you cannot let your heart get so secure in that marriage to think that it's forever. I'm going to loosely just paraphrase or uh, reflect on a story and a, and, a, and a scene with Jesus. The uh, people come up to Jesus and they're testing him again. And he says, uh, Rabbi, if, if this woman, she's married to a man and he dies and she marries his brother and he dies and she marries his other brother and he dies. And then she's married to this one, the last brother. When they all die and go to heaven, who is she married to? And Jesus, Jesus is like, what are you talking about? Do you not know that there's no marriage in heaven? And my heart got sad when I read that again. <laughs> we don't carry this into heaven. We know each other, but we're not married in heaven. Watch this. We're all married to the Lamb. So he's really talking about keeping all of this in perspective. In perspective. Because it's not eternity. If you get married, praise God. If you don't get married, praise God. If you're married, he's, what he's saying is don't let this control your life because it's still not life. There's something bigger than this, which is your personal relationship with God. So you see how you can't get away from that aspect of it? Whether you're single and happy or married and happy, God still has to be better in your life than anything else. In fact, if you would turn to Matthew 24, Matthew chapter 24, verses 38 and 39. I'm going to read from the New King James. And he says this, I mean, it makes it very plain for these days. 38, he says, for as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not know until the flood came and took them all the way. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. In other words, they were so caught up in the status and the relationships and all that was going on that they did not pay attention to the signs of God about this flood. In fact, what was, what was more important to them was what was going on in that present day. 
That moment. In that moment, it was more important that they get and obtain the different statuses and the different pleasures that they were seeking after. And it was so much more important that they didn't pay attention to the looming message that Noah was screaming that, hey, it's about to rain. Hey, it was about to rain. Now, mind you, they had never seen rain before. So they're like, dude, what you talking about? You whack. Right. You know, what? what, what how, you spell, how you spell that? But they didn't pay attention to the signs and what was going on around them, and they were caught distracted. In fact, later on, as you continue on in Matthew, he goes on to say, therefore, in those last days, one will be grinding in the field and the other will be caught up. One will be asleep, the other will be caught up. Not to say that being married caused you to be that distracted, but keeping things in perspective, knowing and understanding that the world, this present age, and what's going on right now is passing. It's so not permanent. It ain't that deep. Getting caught up in, 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 in a status, as great as a status as it is, can't be such a function that, you know, someone told me one time, I cannot die and not have been married. And, Your and, aim in life right. is to please him. That's right. Yeah. And being married is just a side, it's just a, a, a privilege. It is. And, but being married is also a privilege. That's right. And if I can just add some balance to that, we are married. But God forbid, if anything happened to her, I mean, I'm just speaking from my heart. I probably would not marry again, just, just being completely honest. Uh, of course, I'm saying that today. You, but, you, <laughs> but you ain't going to be but, wasting but, your time. I know. It's, it's going to be hard to find this right here. But, but let me balance all I'm saying to you. Let me tell you what I'm saying. It took us 20 years to get here. This is what I'm saying. I don't know if I'd want to go through that again. Well, I don't know how to take that. I, I don't mean that in a... <laughs> I don't know how to take come that. Come on, married people. I think... <laughs> does anybody out here understand what I'm saying? I'm not saying anything negative or bad at all. What I'm telling you is, this is a lot of work to be who we are today. And I love so much about where we are today... I don't know if I'd be willing. In fact, I'd probably have to stop, look. We're having these small groups on Wednesday nights, and it's so much fun. And one of the couples, older couple, they've been married for quite some time, they, were, they got up and they said, you got to go through to get to. And they're talking about 40-something years of marriage. Yeah. You got to go through a whole lot to, to get, get to, to this 40 place years of, of being happily married. All right, and we're going to close with this thought because we want to take our time. We don't want to rush through this. So if you listen to this warning, this is talking about in the end of days that we're living in, right? He says that she read, for as in the days before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage. It's interesting that he uses that until... The day that Noah entered into the ark. So this would also help married couples understand, don't be so caught up in your marriage that you miss God. And, and I want to say this, amen, that's right. Because oftentimes, we as wives can make the mistake of putting him on the throne 
that was never meant to be his. Because we're so absorbed with getting that to that place of a good and perfect and healthy marriage that we, especially in the name of submission, we can get to a place where we're putting our husbands on a throne that was never his in the first place. And we're distracted from, especially when you talk about the necessities of life. What are we going to cook? What needs to be done? I got a job. I got to do this. Deadline's here. Aaron's here. This here stuff. We get so distracted in the busyness of life that we neglect our spiritual lives. I mean, that's real talk. And, and, and therefore... The mistake that he, ha- that he makes or whatever he does, we personalize it. He ain't called me all day. What's going on? And I'm going to say this loosely, but it's the truth. And in the back of our minds, the thought is he's not worshiping me to the degree that I'm worshiping him. That's powerful. Right? Or God forbid, let's just say he did or he's out doing something he shouldn't be doing. So she says, I'm going to go out and do something I shouldn't be doing. Well, guess what? I'm her God. Because I had the power to make her sin against God. That's what he's saying. You can't let marriage cause you to miss heaven. Right? And so even if, I want you to hear this very clearly. So even if the one does something wrong, that has nothing to do with me and my personal relationship with God. So I'm not getting ready to let your actions send me down a path. Hello, somebody. I'm going to pray for you. Come on, somebody. I'm going to pray for you and keep my relationship strong with God. Hello, somebody. And then together we'll figure out what we need to do going forward. But I'm not getting ready to let you interrupt my personal relationship with God. Are you listening out there? All right, I'm led to do this, and we're going to close. If you're unmarried in here, widow, and you're just at a place where, you know, you're just having challenges with being in that state right now, I believe there's an anointing on us to just pray for you right now. If that's you today, it's nothing to be ashamed of because what's coming on the other side of this is a peace and a oneness and a calm that's going to come on you where you're going to learn how to be content and happy being unmarried which is going to better position you for marriage. If that's you, just stand to your feet right now. Just stand to your feet if that's you. You're unmarried, widow, single, just having a real tough time in that state right now. Praise God. It's okay. It's nothing to be embarrassed, nothing to be ashamed of. Uh, Remember, it is a gift from God when you keep it in its proper perspective. All right? And so this is what I want. Married couples that are all around them and, and happily unmarried people to just get up, lay your hands on their shoulders, and we're going to pray a corporate prayer publicly right from this pulpit, and we're going to lift them up right now, lift them out of, and then lift them into uh, a place of peace and serenity and calmness and wholeness in God. Go ahead, put your hands on their shoulders right now, and let's all corporately pray, and let's get an agreement for every unmarried person or widow who's just in this season of life, just, just having a real challenge with that. And so, Father, We pray according to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7. For every unmarried person or widow that's standing right now, Father, that you would grant them revelation, Father, on what it means to to be gifted in this season of their lives, to, to have the gift of being unmarried right now, 
Father, would you drop into their spirits, Father, a season of preparation and a season of becoming whole and complete and separate and unique in you, Father. And Father, I pray right now that a peace and a shalom and a calm will fall on them, Father, and anoint them and rest on them from the crown of their head to the soles of their feet. And moment by moment and day by day, as they grow in you, Father, they're growing closer towards a healthy union with the same person that you're preparing the way that you're preparing them. And we know that in your kingdom, Father, one plus one equals one. Two whole people equals one whole person that's connected to you. Are you led to pray anything, babe? And so, Father, we thank you and we release that on their lives now in Jesus' name. And come on, let's let the whole auditorium, let's rejoice. Come on, let's give God glory. Come on, let's rejoice with them. Come on, glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you for it, Father. Thank you for it, Father. And I want to encourage each one of you to start learning how to do special things for yourself. Yeah. Take yourself out to dinner. Come on, somebody. Come on, take yourself shopping. Feel good about yourself. Let me, I, I just want to add this especially for the single mothers out there. That's good. Okay, I'm about to cry. Stop. Pull it back, girl. Pull it back. You're tired. I know that. You're frustrated and you're angry. Some are hurt. But ultimately, you want help. Let me tell you something. As a single mother, that's the number one reason why you should not get married. Good, good advice. Good wisdom. Let me tell you why. Because the reason that you're tired is oftentimes we're trying to control the situation. We figure we had little me's. These little me's should grow up to be like little me's only for you to discover that they have a will of their own. And these little me's aren't acting like the little me's, but you got to realize that these little me's are not the little you's of today. They are God's gift to you. So oftentimes the rest comes in just allowing God to be God even in their little lives. There's going to come a day in every parent's life, whether you are single or whether you are married, where you are going to have to trust God to your children. That's right. Every parent and every child has to have a Jacob experience. When Jacob left Laman's home with his children and his wives, he left and he crossed that desert calling God the God of my father Isaac and Abraham. He never called God his God and he's a grown man. And it wasn't until he crossed that desert all by himself he experienced God. He knew about God. He grew up with the teachings of God. But it wasn't until he crossed that desert all by himself and he didn't have his father-in-law to watch over him that he wrestled with God and had his own experience with God. And after that, he said, now I have experienced you and now you are my God. 
And isn't it ironic that thousands of years later, that woman at the well would be at Jacob's well that he established in his experience with God. And she would have her own experience with God when Jesus met her there and told her all about herself. Put everything that you can into your children, single women. Trust God. Because the reality is, if you're looking for someone to help you, he cannot help you the way you want him to help you. So now you find yourself not only raising, but managing. So train yourself to enter into his rest. Train yourself to trust your children to God. And identify your own stressors and love on yourself. That's good. And a lot of that will be alleviated. That's good. Praise God. Praise God. Did you all get anything out of this today? We'll wrap this up on next Sunday. Come on, let's just all lift our hands. Come on, let's open up our mouths. Come on, let's thank God for what we heard today. Go ahead, just right there where you're standing right now. However the Spirit of God ministered to your heart, married, unmarried, virgin, widow, whatever your place is in life, consider that place a gift from God. And go ahead and thank Him for it right now. Father, I thank you for the gift of being married today, Father, in the current state that we're in. Thank you for the gift of being parents today, Father. But we don't take that out of context. We keep that in perspective. Marriage will never replace you in my life. And my children will never replace you in my life. Ministry will never replace you in my life. I thank you for counting me faithful and placing me in ministry. But ministry will never replace you in my life. And so, Father, I thank you for the gift of Jesus. Because that is the greatest gift ever known to man. And so while you're in that attitude of worship, while you're in that attitude of prayer today, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that's the first marriage you want to engage in. And that's the first marriage you need to learn how to be successful in. So if you're here today and Jesus Christ is not the Lord of your life, you don't want to go through this life by yourself without him. She read about some of the distresses of this time. And it's getting darker out there in the world. But in Christ, things are getting brighter. And we're going from glory to glory and from faith to faith. So if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to pray with and for you today. Secondarily, you might say, Pastor, I'm already saved. But I just, I got distracted. And I allowed myself to go back out there. And I know I'm doing things that I know God is not pleased with understand something today God loves you with an everlasting love he might not be pleased but he's not mad at you either and he's waiting on you with open arms just for you to repent change the way you think and allow the word of God to transform you and take you in a different direction so if that's you today you have something you want to repent from you want to come back to Christ today I want to pray with and for you. And then thirdly, if you've never been baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, Bible evidence of praying in other tongues, you need that gift in your life today. I want to pray with and for you. And then finally, if you don't have a church home, we believe Linked Up Church is a good church and it's getting better. We're growing as leaders day by day. And so if the Spirit of God has confirmed in you that this is where He wants you planted, my wife and I will be happy to receive you. We'll pray for you every single day of our lives and every time you come in this building. Our goal is to make sure that you hear the Word of God and the Word of God only. So now, while every head is bowed, every eye is closed in prayer, no one moving, no one talking.